0: The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash, call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. You're listening
1: to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.
0: This is the business of cannabis. Sales
1: marketing with Cash Tech Currency. And uh, Andrea, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for being here.
1: So, Andrea, tell me a little bit about Cash Tech and uh, what products and services you guys offer.
2: Of course. So Cash Tech has been around almost for several decades now. We've always been in the cash management space. We actually began in financial institutions as well as retail. So as we know, banks have always had cash present from bank branches all the way through to their processing centers. And we would always solve their cash handling needs Uh, both in branches and then all the way through to processing centers and also service that equipment for them. Uh, We recently realized that there were other cash intensive businesses out there, of course, cannabis being one of them. And so when we saw this opportunity, we thought we could apply the same solution sets to this client space, help solve the problem of what do we do with our cash. And so we have Manufacturers that we work with that have best in the class, smart safes, and cash recycling solutions. And so we thought it was a perfect fit to take those solutions and marry them over to the cannabis space.
1: So when you say cash management, what do you maybe define that for people that aren't familiar uh, sure. with that term?
2: It tends to be very commonly used in the industry, kind of like an acronym, but understandably for those who haven't been in it for as long as we have, uh, yeah, a definition is definitely needed. So what we view cash management is, is tracking, physically managing, counting cash coin, and then securing it. So pretty much what happens to that cash from the point it leaves the till, till the point it gets to your bank account. And so what we want to do Mm -hmm. is we want to make sure that we provide reliable and accurate hardware. So devices that will count, authenticate, store, and secure that cash, and then overlay it with some software that gives insight to a business owner to know what is in that device, what denominations, uh, what is the capacity, is it reaching, being full. And so that overarching software gives them more intelligence about the cash and their business. And then how do you get that cash out of that device and into the bank account? So really, that is cash management from, you know, it's a full circle of taking in the cash, tracking it, securing it, and then making sure it gets to the bank processed and deposited into your account and we have hardware and software solutions that allow businesses to do that reliably efficiently and securely
0: so uh andrea let let me just uh delve into this take me through i'm a dispensary i have made ten thousand dollars in cash maybe in a day or maybe two days or however long it's taken me how how what do you do with it like okay, I have I have all these stacks of uh, ones, fives, tens, twenties, right. fifties, hundreds. What do I do? Right.
2: It's well, all there's over a the couple place. Different... It's all
0: over the counter. It's under my desk. It's it's.
2: And that can pocket. be stressful. It can be <laughs> stressful for employees um, <laughs> who feel overwhelmed with managing that. It can be stressful for business owners because that's a lot of onus on your employees to take care of that, and then of course secure it because you don't want to become a target. Um, people knowing that you have a lot of cash in your business that isn't well secured? That's a great question. Um, The first thing that we want to do is secure that cash away and authenticate it, um, put it into some sort of safe. There's pretty much two types of solutions that can do that for a business. You have what's called a smart safe, and that's where you're taking your cash and you're depositing it in through bill validators, which can identify denomination of a note, authenticate a note, and then deposit it securely into a cassette that is surrounded by a vault grade safe. Uh, That is purely depositing. So if you know you're a cash heavy in business, you just want to put your cash away.
0: So by Uh, authenticate it, you mean like
2: Checks for counterfeit. Exactly. Oh, okay. So I the bill that. validators uh, do have some intelligence to them. They know the security features that each different note would have, and they would be checking for some of these security features to authenticate the note. If the note is authenticated, the safe will accept it. If the safe is, if the bill validator doesn't see enough authenticating features, it actually won't even accept it. It'll just spit it right back out to the user. No, that so
0: could be. Is this a hundred? How many? Like one bill at a time? Like, what do you do? You just take a bunch of bills and throw them into this acceptor, and it kind
2: of—that's exactly it. Oh, so, wow. okay. Uh, bulk note <laughs> <got> feeder. It. <laughs> yeah, it actually is much simpler than someone hand feeding. There are bulk note feeders where you can put a small stack of notes, about twenty-five mm-hmm. notes at a time, and the machine just knows to auto feed it in. Uh, so oh. that, of course, creates efficiencies as well instead of someone hand counting. And relying on your employees to know and be able to authenticate a bill.
1: Well, and that and that's a great point because a lot of the dispensaries we've been speaking with—that's um, a, a huge issue. Their, you know, employees are counting everything by hand, and so this solves that problem.
2: Yeah, it—that's it, a lot of responsibility for employees uh, to be able to count. We're all human; we all make mistakes. Um, Not to say that equipment is 100% either, but there's a lot more reliability in that and less distractions, which is where usually errors can start happening. Um, You're also expecting people to know a lot of knowledge about what makes a bill authentic or not. And if you're doing it at the time of sale, that's a whole other level of customer service that you may or may not want to get into is accusing someone of a suspect bill, most people don't even know that they have counterfeit notes most times uh that they've been handed or trying to utilize. So it removes a lot of that awkwardness, responsibility, and stress.
0: Okay, I cut you off of there. You you okay, so there's the smart safe, you're depositing, and then you said there's
2: there's also recycling. recycling. What's that? So a recycling solution is an in and out uh process. So by it can accept notes in to the safe. Um, again, it is looking for denomination, authenticating the note, and storing it away into a vault grade safe. But at the same time, it can also dispense notes out. So, a great application for this is at the beginning of your day, you could actually have the unit dispense a float for your employees. Again, removing that physical work. Uh, that they would have to do to count out and prepare their tills. This could be done by a manager in a back office as well. So in essence, you are putting all of your working cash that you need to operate into this cash recycler. At the beginning of the day, your employees simply walk up. They enter their username and the password. They choose where they're going, and that pre-configured float will dispense out of the machine. And all they need to then do is go put that into the cash register. At the end of their shift, they do the exact same thing. They gather up all the cash. It can be mixed. They put it into the input hopper of the machine. And again, babe, it just auto feeds it in to the machine with zero human intervention. All those notes will be segregated into the unit by denomination. And every receipt will be given. So in essence, so- you're recycling through your business.
1: That's great. Now I have to imagine that, um, depending on the location and volume, service of these machines is very important. Maybe you can walk us through that.
2: Absolutely. Well, you touch on a very good point. They become mission critical to a business uh, because so many people uh, and so many parts of your business rely on them. So we always say, and fortunately, Cash Tech was built on service we have national service technicians across the country. These are field service representatives and they are factory trained by the manufacturers to support these devices. So we always highly recommend that our clients would opt to take what we call an annual service agreement. And pretty much that's bumper to bumper coverage for the device that allows you to call us whenever you have a question or the unit potentially is down. We'll do a phone triage with the employees to try and get them back up and running. And worst case scenario, if Field Tech does have to come out, they arrive on site with, we give them what we call trunk stock inventory of parts, uh, whereby they'll arrive on site and would we'll do break fix repair on the device.
0: So let me, uh, okay, I'm getting how the money gets in and then money can get out if you need it in the store. What you called recycling, cool. How do I how do I get it out of the store? Like, how does that work? Like, it's in a safe, and who can get at the money? And how do how do you get the money to a uh, to the bank?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so you would select very few employees with that level of responsibility that would have permissions to go in and open the safe and extract. The the cash out of the cassette. Um, if it's a deposit safe or a smart safe, uh, you're just going to decash those cassettes. You're going to put it in some sort of uh, bag, or you're going to count it in the back and prepare it to go for a bank deposit. If it's a recycling solution, there's what's called a deposit cassette, and so you'd also want to decash that deposit cassette and take it to the bank. Um, if that seems overwhelming and/or poses too much potential security risk to you or the employees, there is always a cash in transit uh, example, whereby you could have a cash in transit, which is also known as an armored car, um, be given permissions to do very few operations. And one of those would be when they arrive at your store, they would be able to log in as a cash in transit user and only be able to decache the money in those cassettes it would print a receipt the receipt goes in the bag that's kind of your declared value of what is in the bag and then when they take that back to their processing centers they marry it up with the totals and they would do a deposit on your behalf to your bank
0: all right so so the the, the these machines actually divide the money up into sections and then there's some money that's going to be used maybe in the store or whatever and then there's some money that's put off. This is the money that goes to the bank and they can only access that. And they come, they pick it up, they put it in their armored cars and off it goes.
2: Absolutely. Do I I have
0: it? Okay, Okay. Absolutely.
2: And that's all tracked activity by activity in the overarching software. And so that's what makes it so easy for a business owner to then reconcile their end of day or know that what the armored car company took matches up with what was declared when they took it out of the safe. It's pretty much an audit trail of every single activity that happens through the device. And so you can track down literally to the pen.
1: So for a dispensary owner, this is great because it it allows uh, total transparency and accountability.
2: Absolutely. And you're talking live time information. There isn't a delay (laughs) in any of this. It's live feed. It's all web-based. So literally, you could be in your home office, you could be in the store, or you could be on your boat. Um, You can see all of this information so long as you have internet access um, and can log into your profile of the software. That's great. So,
0: um, wow, I bet this is one of those things where... I'm hearing you talk. I don't know that in anyone's business plan, they, they when they opened up their dispensary, they really thought about this. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're making money yeah, and, and all this cash is here. And it's like, this is great. Yeah. we got lots right. of cash. Oh my God. Good, good got problem lots of to have.
2: Good problem to have, but maybe not part of your business plan when you put together um, your operating plan and processes. The good thing like, about smart safes is they can be added at any time. Um, you don't have to build your store around the solution. They're flexible. They have different sizes, different configurations. So it's always something that can be added um, when that store gets to that point in their operational process.
0: Yeah, I get, I get nervous when I like take out 200 bucks at, my, at, a, at an ATM. I'm walking around the street, <laughs> alone, you know, 10,000 bucks. But amazing. That's cool.
1: So, Andrea, uh, we just want to thank you for your time today. Uh, this has been fantastic. I think it's opened uh, a lot of eyes uh, for a lot of people that run dispensaries. Um, you know, again, Andrea is the VP of sales marketing with Cash Deck. Uh She has over 20 years experience in this space. Um, and thanks so much for being on the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.
0: So welcome back uh, to the business of cannabis. We're very excited for the next guest, Susan Suarez. Uh, Susan has uh, came into the cannabis industry after an injury, but in short order has become a passionate leader in the cannabis industry. Like so many people in space, she has also a very incredibly interesting background in the film business for years, selling a film production company to AOL Time Warner um, Susan's been recognized by interested leaders like the National Media, Access Integrated Technologies, Virgin Records. On the cannabis front, a tireless organizer of important cannabis events uh, such as the Green Oasis, State of Cannabis, published numerous works in Cannabis Now and Sensi, it's been featured at Rolling Stone Magazine, LA Times, Entrepreneur Magazine. Uh, for all that, Susan's perhaps best known to many of you as the host of the very popular show, The State of Cannabis on Clubhouse. Susan, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: My pleasure. We're looking forward to uh, hearing uh, your insights. Um, quickly, why don't you tell people uh, and describe the state of cannabis on Clubhouse and what that show's about?
3: Thank you, yeah. So um, it is a it, every weekday, Monday through Friday, at 9 a.m pacific standard time and we uh i've got about 20 correspondents that come on different days and uh we go through the news headlines and we decide which are the most important headlines for us to deliver and we deliver those headlines in form, each correspondent has four minutes and 20 seconds to deliver their headline, give their analysis and open it up for conversation. And we encourage the audience to raise their hand. So it's really uh, quite interesting because we'll do like, for example, today we had a story about uh, Metric and Oklahoma. They are somebody suing uh, Metric and uh, it has uh, national hmm. implications. And we had somebody in the audience that was involved in it. So we got to hear f- directly from somebody that was working on it. So it's, it's a Amazing. really interesting way to get your cannabis news.
0: Hopefully not the judge, by the way. But I mean, <laughs> right. be, yeah, I'm a frequent listener as well. I love I love the show. So um, but let's let's broaden the horizon a bit. Take us on a quick tour, sort of in the US on what you see as the most interesting issues uh, involving cannabis?
3: Um, well, I'm not really in the industry, I'm an educator. So I, I'm i kind of like Switzerland and I, I have a different view than people that are in the industry. And um, they will say banking and 280E is the most uh,
2: hmm.
3: interesting, the, the, the biggest issue on their minds. Uh, for me, it's it's social equity and, um, you know, because the drug war has been so bad for people of color and, um, you know, now people, now uh, different elected officials are starting to get that it's important. Uh, that was a struggle. At first, uh, they all thought, hey, you know, they were breaking the law at the time and they shouldn't be rewarded for that. Uh, But that has turned around and now we've got states like New York uh, offering 50% of their licenses to social equity. But the problem is, is that it, you know, it's not working. (laughs) It's not. Yeah, let's, let's delve into
0: that. Yeah, let's delve into what you mean by social equity and what is working and what isn't working and why, what are those challenges and roadblocks?
3: Um, I don't think anything's wor- working, really. Leafly, uh, a couple weeks ago, had an article about the top 10 or the top five uh, states that were getting social equity right, and they listed Colorado as number one and California as number two. California is not getting it right. Nobody, hardly anyone that, that should be getting a license is getting a license. Um, so... Okay.
0: And and so what 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 is the process? Just like I mean, a lot of people won't really have a deep understanding of of that legal process. So take us through a bit of that process and and how it's excluding some people.
3: It's really hard to understand because every state has their own rules, and in in most states, each uh, city and county can have their own rules on top of that. So it's it's really really hard to understand. And um, some places like let's see, uh, Long Beach. Originally, you had to have uh, property. Most most uh, jurisdictions, you would have to have property secured before you can uh, get a license, get approved for one. For example, I, I think. In LA, some people have been sitting on properties, paying rent on properties for over two years, waiting in line to get a social equity license. Who can afford that?
0: It's a very strange situation where you have a a a product, a, a legal industry, and and yet because of the baggage from the past, so much complexity has been imposed on it, and. If it's an industry and it can have regulation, that no one is against that. It's an, is it is it that in your view? Is it from the past, it's still the, oh my God, this is a drug and it's evil and we have to be fearful of it, but what we're gonna make it is, or, or is there some other motivation? Like what, what can account for this odd, you know, relationship between legality and, and the practicality of it?
3: I think that the majority of people in the United States, probably Canada, a lot of other countries uh, think that cannabis should be uh, legal for sure, medicinally, and a lot of people uh, for adult use. Um, I think a lot of elected officials, a lot of lawmakers um, have corrupt intentions. Okay,
0: tell me about what do you mean by that? (laughs) You can't say corrupt intentions and and not explain it.
3: (laughs) Well, uh, you know, like um, Mitch McConnell wanted to get into the CBD hemp industry. And so he was he demonized THC. Um, In L.A., um, you know, some some prominent uh, elected officials were making it difficult. Uh, while they got their family members uh, to scoop up all of the real estate that would be uh, eligible, things like that. I, right. I mean, it's just it's just ripe. It's just right. Mean, the the FBI doesn't have enough time to go around and deal with all the corruption that's happening um, in the cannabis industry. As Is far it?
0: Yeah. What what's your? Because you talk to so many people, there there seems to be this split between uh, the sort of small entrepreneurial uh, one or two kind of location type approach, and then huge money, massive chain, big intention. Can those two coexist or do you see big money? Uh, because in Canada, the big money is losing. Um, what they anticipated is not happening. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the the uh, companies are merging, but not from strength, from weakness, because um, there's oversaturation and the people winning are the small boutique uh, stores that have a loyal following. Not uh, not that there aren't some uh, chains flourishing. Um, what do you see happening in, in where you are? and and from what people are talking about in the in the, in the on the street
3: well the 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 uh, more rigorous that regulations are, the harder it is for mom and pops to survive. Mm-hmm. um so it needs it, it should have been you know, and I think that that most activists um when we've pushed for new laws, our hope is that we come closer to conscious capitalism where um, uh, small business thrives, and um, you know we're creating a new industry, and and it was a really good opportunity to show how industry could be better. But then in California, for example, um, the Prop sixty four had had written in it that there was a one acre cap for cultivation. Well, big money just figured out how to come in and uh, stack licenses and that that one acre cap didn't mean anything it didn't work right you know so and then and then on top of that uh everyone said you need to have a, a 12-month runway uh you know meaning you need to have capital to be able to tread water for 12 months and then it turned into a 18-month runway and then a 24-month runway it, more realistically everybody needed to have a five-year runway mom and pop can't survive that
0: do you think that's going to keep the black market very healthy over the next few years?
3: I don't see, we, we, we call it the uh, illicit market. We try not to call it the black market. Um, uh, or so some people call it the traditional market or the legacy market. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. non
3: taxed right. market, whatever you want Non-tax, to call it. Non-tax, yeah. Non-taxed. Uh, uh, I like that one when you're talking to elected officials. Yeah. <laughs> Um, are they going to go away? No, no. Uh, You know, and if we have federal regulations, if we have, uh, we, we need to decriminalize cannabis on a federal level in the United States. We don't need another layer of regulations right now. We just need to give folks, uh, uh, I, I would say we need to give, uh, mom and pop businesses 10 year amnesty, you know? You got 10 years to get up and going, and then we're going to start regulating you. Um, otherwise, you know the, the industry cannot survive another layer of taxation. They're talking about between 15 and 20 percent, 25 percent, on a federal level, where we're already in California, the end consumer is paying upwards of 40 percent in taxes. How how can you comp- compete with the right. uh, non non-taxed right. market?
0: Yeah. It seems like the opposite, the opposite to what you want. And yet that's the situation. Um, yep. let's switch gears a little bit. Tell it's just to, so, cause I'm very interested. Tell me a bit about some of the events you're running. Um, hopefully that are starting up again, um, as we come out of this, um, just to, to uh, to let some people know what's coming up, what's coming on.
3: I'm, I was getting ready to sign a contract for a venue. For an event in November. And then the Delta variant started making me really nervous. So I have not signed. Okay. <laughs> I haven't signed yet. Brutal. So right I know now it's so frustrating. Like, yeah, because, um, you know, my dates were November 4th and 5th. And I think we'll be okay. I probably will do it. But uh, November 5th is the 25th anniversary of the passage of Prop 215, which was the very first. Uh, medical or the very first yeah uh medical legislation so it's a big deal it's a big day it needs to be celebrated we we need to look uh back at what took place over the last 25 years what were the milestones um you know how do we do um and then we need to look forward to the next 25 years um so it's it's a really important thing and and uh you know there's nothing like an in-person event, you know. Right. But we have to stay safe, so I, I'm not sure where I'm going to go.
0: Well, just quickly, last, um, what's coming up for Clubhouse? Are there any just um, any new uh, events coming up on that? What's what do you have planned over the next? Uh, you know, uh, six I would
3: months? I would love to talk about Clubhouse for cannabis because um, you know I got in Clubhouse in December and I. I spent the first three weeks, I spent 90 hours a week in clubhouse and I did a lot of research. I went into all the different rooms. I I went into moderator rooms. I went into navigating clubhouse rooms, uh, wanted to see what was going on creatively. And I found this room. Um, first of all, I think, uh, clubhouse is super important for the cannabis industry because they're super cannabis friendly. Mm -hmm. It's a home (laughs) for cannabis. Uh, we can talk about whatever we want. You know, you could have a store in there. You can talk right. about prices and everything. Um, and then I found this uh, news, news, news room that's every day, first thing in the morning. And the, the guy that started it is friends with the founder of Clubhouse. He's an early investor. He's really smart. And I saw what he was doing. And I told him that I wanted to do a spinoff room. Um, he invited me to the stage because I had cannabis in my my profile picture, and I delivered an article. And now I'm their cannabis correspondent, and I'm doing their sound too. Uh, but you know he's really smart, and and he, it, I I see that um, this is a really Clubhouse is a really great place for for news because it's it's more authentic. It's coming from real people, and there's no agenda. Well, I mean, there might be an agenda, but there's not, you know, there's not advertisers and um, so we're getting we're getting real news and it's it's uh, it's a nice I haven't watched uh, cable news since I found clubhouse news.
0: Yes, I know it can be a bit addictive. Sometimes I have to give myself a penalty. You know, you're not allowed to listen for three days. Why, it don't you go out, why don't you go outside and, and see what the sun looks like and see if it's still there?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's why That's why I promise my listeners, we're going to deliver it to you in 60 minutes and we end <laughs> right at 10 o'clock. I'm very strict about that.
0: Well, I, I want to thank you very much for coming. Uh, I recommend the State of Cannabis to anyone who's interested in the cannabis industry, either as a, uh, a user of the product, on uh, the retail side, the business side, the politics of it. It's uh, really, really great. Thank you. Um, thank you very much for coming. And uh we hope you have have you on the show again.
3: Thank you so much, David. You take care. You too.
0: You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. So welcome back. Uh we're excited about our next guest. Uh we have Brandon Zimmer from Planet 13 Las Vegas. Um I don't know anyone in the business who hasn't heard about probably Planet 13, um, billed as the largest dispensary in the world. I haven't been there myself to measure, but I'm going to take their word for it. Uh, Plans to expand across North America, uh, one of the most exciting concepts in the industry. Um, Brandon's head of the marketing there, uh, and fun fact I learned, interned with the Vegas Golden Knights. We're big hockey fans on this show. So that's cool that's instant cred with us so brandon welcome uh, thanks for having me guys so uh, just give us some quick uh background on on planet 13 you know had the concept start when you launched and and then okay. let's let's talk about but what 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 that would be like to be there
4: go ahead. absolutely so uh planet 13 opened its doors on november 1st 2018 um The company started with just a local retail uh, dispensary called Medicine when um, cannabis became medical here in Nevada. Uh, Once it got, um, so the creator, um, Chris Wren, who kind of created the strains for medicine, kind of created the whole um, operation side, um, had a vision. Once it became recreational here in Nevada to, you know, open up the biggest dispensary in the world and create a cannabis experience. Uh, So we opened our doors on November 1st, 2018, and became the world's largest cannabis dispensary and entertainment complex. Um, Since then, we've opened up multiple phases. We now have a full uh, restaurant inside uh, that's not infused which is the number one question we get asked. Um, Bar, great place to watch games, amazing food. We also have a customer-facing production facility, uh, which highlights five of our in-house brands. We are fully integrated. Uh, so you're able to kind of watch and experience how edibles are created from seed to sale. And, you know, we get so many customers from all over the world that they're not really familiar with cannabis or anything about um, how it's created and how it's made. So you're able to kind of watch that whole seed to sale process. Um, so it's very cool. It kind of has like a Willy Wonka vibe. You can see it open glass and watch people, you know, bag up gummies, make the chocolates, fill the uh, extracts or anything like that. Um, we also have some awesome photo moments. Um, we have a iconic Planet 13 retro band that is a uh, great eye catcher as soon as you walk into the uh, Grand Hall, uh, as well as full-on six interactive um, digital experiences um, the digital touchscreen on the floor when you walk in, the LED lotus flowers on the roof, um, 3D mapping on the ceiling, the aerial orb show that's displayed every hour on the hour that's five drones synchronized by music and color that fly over the dispensary to kind of give everyone a visual show um everything adds on to the planet 13 experience uh we wanted to be, um, something that you can't get anywhere else it's very Vegasy, and it's uh, an amazing experience you've never seen it
0: so wow so very you grew- Vegas, yeah yeah ahead, you, you,
4: uh, apparently you grew up in vegas me
1: i mean i yeah. i love i love vegas i've been there Probably twenty times, but what's it like growing up in Vegas and being in this industry?
4: Um, so growing up in Vegas is is spectacular. You know, we're able I'm able to experience so much. uh You know, it's such a great city, and now becoming a sports town, uh the whole city is behind, and it's it's amazing. And you know what the cannabis industry has done for the city is it, incredible. It's fast growing. It's it's electric. It's so much growth, so much opportunity, so much jobs, you know, plan 13 itself. We have about 300 employees now, Um, you know, so we're able to the economy, you know, we went through a great um, hiring frenzy during uh, the post pandemic, you know, so we're, we're always, we're always trying to get to the top, you know, and, and really give everyone the same equal opportunity. And I think that Vegas makes the most sense to do it. That's great.
0: So could um you just to pick up on you just said a lot like i know I can go uh, there and watch okay. a I can go there and watch a game then i could just go watch a football game and chill out have a beer are you yeah. li- like like you licensed alcohol
4: yeah yeah so I we know. are a um um we are a full entertainment complex and what that means is you know you walk into the complex you do not need to be 21. you can go in enjoy everything that it has to offer you can enjoy the restaurant the bar area Anything and everything, um, and what we're able to do is, to the right, is the actual dispensary itself, where you have to be 21, you get your ID check to get in. Um, so this kind of creates an environment where families can go, families can get a nice bite to eat, mom and dad can go inside the dispensary, get get what they want for their weekend trip, come back and finish off their meal, finish off the game, and, you know, really create an environment where they're not just in and out. They're, they can literally spend the whole day at Planet 13. Can you gamble there? Yeah, is it? No, 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 okay. no. none of that. The uh, gaming board. Yeah, I was going to say perfect.
1: the gaming. Le- the gaming <laughs> licenses are are a little strict around that. I'm sure. So it's
0: it's <laughs> great, but it's not quite perfect yet. Exactly. Things to add on to. Yeah, room for growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a bit about the brands you're developing. So you're saying you're seed to sell. Tell us a bit about that program and and then where 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 it can go do, are do you sell to other dispensaries or is it just this unique to plant 13
4: yeah so uh like I said we have five in-house brands we have medicine flower which we also have our medicine dispensary so mom and pop shop uh boutique dispensary local uh we have medicine Fl- flower and Vapes, uh trendy leaf and vine haha ha gummies and dreamland chocolates so we are um, like I said, fully integrated. Uh, we do wholesale to other dispensaries. Um, actually, trendy, one of our top brands, is makes up, I believe it's 10% of the Nevada market.
0: It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So,
4: wow. Know, we just dropped um ha, ha beverage sodas. Uh, we just dropped unique uh, dreamland uh cereal bars. So we're always, you know, with how big we are, you know first thing they they look into is they see the huge names of Dreamland, the haha, they're immediately intrigued and first thing that they ask about really.
0: And the haha beverage are, the beverage, are those is that infused or is okay.
4: that oh yeah.
1: Yeah. And 20 milligrams. I've actually uh I actually have a couple of um uh cases of infuse uh um drinks and they're they're great.
4: Yeah, no, they're great. You know, so we we at first we had these zero calories, zero sweetener, um mm-hmm. alternative beverage, which is Haha ha beverages. Um, After we created the Haha ha gummies, we created the, the beverage line, and then we decided to open up and drop our exclusive Haha ha sodas, which is kind of more like obviously more like, has sugar in it. Right, pairs well with like great drinks. You know, we have a root beer flavored. People make root beer floats. So you can get really creative and fun with that. It's like bubble gum and I think grape goes in grape. Um, so it's just things of that, you know, kind of adds a different element to your cannabis experience. You know, not, you don't just need to smoke a pipe and get high. You can, you know, enjoy a nice beverage cocktail. And, you know, I think it. that's the big, the, the big thing that
1: um, a lot of people that aren't necessarily aware of is that, you know, they, they'll they have no problem having a cocktail, but they, you know, don't necessarily look the same way at uh cannabis product. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit? So uh,
4: what what do you mean
1: by that exactly? Well, I, I think that, you know, because cannabis has been frowned upon for so long, um, you know, and something like having a, a cocktail at five o'clock is so normalized, um, I think, you know, in 5-10 years, and and maybe that's the question, in 5-10 years, do you, do you see this as something that is going to be, you know, a little bit more normal in the US?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, being in the industry for so long, I, I, the stigma of cannabis is kind of slowly going away. You know, at first, you know, when I was in high school, um, and even early colleges, you know, people kind of look down you, you indulge in cannabis. Now it's becoming of, of such a social norm that, I, and you know, especially our demographics, you know, we, we get anyone from 21 to 80, all ethnicities, all races, like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's really great to see. So I really yeah. think that, you know, with all these different ways to indulge and in, you know, consume cannabis, whether it's beverages, um, treats, cake, there's toothpicks, there's mints, there's gum, mm. there's gummy, there's all these different ways of doing it. I think that now it's becoming more like, okay, what am I comfortable with? What what do I like to do? You know, if I don't like to smoke it, uh, drinking it sounds like a great alternative, you know, maybe some drops in my coffee. So I think with all this, it's becoming more normal to indulge that after work five o'clock, you know, rip, rip a joint, rip, rip a yeah. drink.
0: Brandon, think- let me, let me ask, this is a uh, slightly changing the topic. Because you're in the entertainment capital of the world. Yeah, it is. Could not be the wallet competition is incredibly competitive there. <laughs> I mean, my God, the choices you have now. This, how do you, how do you fight your way in in this jungle of? Because you know, no casino wants people leaving. Oh, yeah. To, yeah, to go there. So, yeah. how do you how do you play that? Because it's competition. Isn't something a lot of people think about in this industry? You you open a, a dispensary and you're just thinking, oh, okay, I just start printing money. Well, uh, next door and across the street.
4: <laughs> yeah, and we actually do have a dispensary across the street. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah, very likely. Um, wow. So you know what we'll, what we're able to do is, you know, our whole mission is, you know, we're a cannabis destination. You know, we're not just a retail buy buy leave. So you know with you know, all these people around the world that, one, sometimes our countries, you know, are very serious with cannabis. You know, sometimes their states are very serious with cannabis. Now they're walking to an Apple Store-like environment where, you know, it's open. You're able to walk and see how everything's made. We're really created a destination with interactive experiences that people want to go and see for themselves, like, where we're at in this prohibition-type life-of-living <laughs> cannabis. Yeah. So I, I think to answer your question best is, you know, we are a experience unlike anything you can get anywhere around the world. You know, nowhere has a interactive elements and experience like we do. So
1: are you seeing a lot of people like international people
4: coming there uh as as a destination? Oh yeah, we get people from all over the world. You know, I I had a uh, funny I had an interview from this Two people with from Thailand. I gave a. They have this YouTube series, and you know, mm-hmm. that's a very, very big federal offense. So they've never yeah. even seen anything like this. And when when they walk into the store, their jaws drop. They're like, I, we can't, they can't believe that anything like this exists. So that's not why we created this.
0: That's the know, whole town. <laughs> that's
4: Vegas. Yeah, I was going to say, that's
1: <laughs> Vegas in,
4: in general. But yeah, exactly. So especially we of like cannabis in there, you know, so everything we do is educational. You know, whether, mm. you know, our, when we hire our bud tenders, what they're called, our salesmen, they have to go through like a two-week training course. Any brand that wants to get sold in our store has to go through a training course with, with all our staff. So everyone is educated, everyone knows what they're talking about. So when you come into the store and be like, hey, this is what I'm what I'm afraid of. This is what I wanna feel. This is what my weekend plans are. We're trained to tell you, okay, this is where I think that you should go. This is the experience I think that you're gonna get from this. And it creates this environment where they feel safe and they feel like they can ask these questions and not feel harassed.
0: That's a, you mentioned well, question, yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah, I was going to
1: say that's like a a really important part of that because I think a lot of for a lot of people this is a very new experience and they're you know they're looking to be educated. Oh yeah, and it sounds like you know your uh, your operation that's what it's focused on. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting industry. I mean, when you walk in to buy a car, I don't have to teach you what a car is. But you're going to get a lot of curious people going, like, you know, yeah, I've, I guess I've used the product before, but it's a lot. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. So that, I, it, it it you know, and I think a lot of other the people listening, you know, other it, they can bring a lot of that to their own operations. You don't have to have an entertainment complex. Your dispensary doesn't have to be behind closed doors in some you know dark, seedy, no. horrible experience. Why not make it a great experience?
1: It can wow. be at the front of the MGM.
0: last question let me let me just ask you um uh so what what's in the future for is this a a Vegas concept I know on your you know are you guys planning to open up in other places um what what's what's in the works for so on July
4: 1st opened up the uh second biggest dispensary in the world and the biggest in California in Orange County in Santa Ana California so oh wow that's our second biggest. Um, Congrats! Then, thank you. So the idea is to, you know, be the big retailer in, in, in these major cities. You know, and you have to
0: keep going. This is the third biggest. This is the fourth yeah, biggest. The fourth this is, is, oh, wait a second. The Vegas is now the
4: second biggest. Yeah,
0: like exactly. What's going on? <laughs> so, yeah,
4: you know, we still have our flagship Vegas. You know, and that is our core. That is what our foundation is. And you know, as we open up to all these new markets, you know, we will. See where the trends coming in and what we need to improve on, and you know, constantly get better. And The idea is to be you know, the biggest retailer, you know, just, um, so you guys know. So, we are on phase three in Vegas right now, where um, we have currently have 40 registers, we're doubling our sales floor size, we're gonna add 40 more registers. Wow, so you know, that's crazy we're, we're, we're of that nature where we're constantly seeing where trends are going. We're, constantly getting better opening up a full retail store uh cannabis consumption just got approved in nevada so we'll slowly tap into that and you know just kind of dominate the um cannabis space in that
0: there's zero well, chance i'm not getting there when i i <laughs> <Yeah>. was gonna <laughs> say like time.
1: <laughs> you know I, I i think that uh once the borders open up fully uh dave and i are going to be there to yeah. um uh, to you know, make sure your operation uh, runs yeah, smooth. Gentlemen, it's time to go home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <What? laughs> it's like, well, we live here now. <laughs> yeah, so go away,
0: Brandon. Thanks very much for this. This is great. This sounds like an amazing place, and I, uh, I know everyone. I'm sure everyone. It's a. I can hear. I can understand why it is a destination because you created yeah. something interesting. But it's also something for the rest of the industry to take notice of and, and be inspired by, which is kind of cool too. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank sure. you very much. Thanks,
4: thank Brandon.
1: Of course, you. you guys have a great rest of your day. Yeah, right. thank you. You as well.
0: Well, that's our show for today. I'd like to thank our guests for coming on and sharing their insights and invite you to tune in next week when, again, we'll be talking to the movers and shakers in the world of cannabis, uh, keeping you up to date with what's happening in one of the most dynamic retail industries in North America. So until next week, be well. And this has been The Business of Cannabis.